Welcome to Spectacular Science. I'm your host, Akshay, and on Spectacular Science, it's all about science. Today, we're talking about flying machines. You know, those machines that you use to soar above the clouds and in the sky, such as airplanes and helicopters. We'll learn about how these airplanes and helicopters fly and what the future of flight could hold on this episode of Spectacular Science. We are talking to an expert on these topics. Keep listening! Today, to talk about flying machines, I am talking to Vajrang Kamit. Hello, Vajrang. Thank you so much for talking to me. Hey, Akshay. Thank you for having me on. So can you tell me a little bit about your job? Yeah, absolutely. So I got my mechanical and aerospace engineering degree from Georgia Tech, where I also worked on the race car. I did race car aerodynamics. And now I work for a little defense company in Kennesaw, Georgia, called Area I, where we design UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles for the military and for various government branches. Wow. Now, my first question is, what is the structure of an airplane or helicopter? Well, planes and helicopters comes in all shapes and sizes of varying complexity. They can range for up to thousands of parts, but they all roughly need the same pieces. Uh, and the, the biggest most important piece, arguably, on a plane or helicopter is, of course, the wing. Uh, the wing is what actually generates the lift, and that's what makes it not a car. So how the way lift is actually generated by a wing is a little complicated. Uh, it's actually even, I studied it for five years, and I still don't quite understand it. But, you know, we, we use it all the time. And uh, the way the, li- the wing creates lift is something called the airfoil, which if you slice the wing, along, you know, from the front of the wing to the back of the wing, it, there's a shape called an airfoil. Uh, and the best way I can describe the shape of an airfoil, think of a soap bar or like a computer mouse where the top of the shape has got this nice domed part and the bottom is a little flat or even curved downwards a little. Uh, and what that does is that creates this nice big surface area on the top of the wing that the air has to travel over and a short little area on the bottom of the wing for the air to travel. So you've got fast flowing, and, and because you've got that long, huge area for the air to travel on top, the air has to travel faster. So there are a couple of phenomena that make lift happen. So one is for a lot of times you'll see if you look at the air characteristics over a wing, the air kind of moves downwards a little. And just like Newton says in his, in his third law, where any action has an equal and opposite reaction, by making that fluid move down a little, the fluid is now pushing the wing up. So there's a little bit of that kind of mass, uh, mass flow rate mo- momentum change that's happening. But the big way uh, an airfoil creates lift is by pressure differential. So as that air travels really quickly over the top, your, the pressure above that wing goes, drops a lot. So you've got a really nice low pressure zone above that wing. So pressure is what? Force over a given area. So if you've got not that much pressure on top and you know high pressure on the bottom, you've got a, a lot of force on the bottom of the wing pushing it up and not a lot of force on top of the wing pushing it down. So that create, makes the whole wing go up. And that's how lift is created. Now that shape, airfoils, comes in all different shapes and sizes. Uh, you've got You've got, uh, and you, you got to look at the lift equation to understand why. So the lift equation is very simple. It's called one half rho AV squared CL. So I'll break that into, break that down for you. So the lift force is equivalent to the density of the air. So the denser the fluid you're going through, the more lift you'll produce. A, which is surface area. So what that tells you is the bigger the wing you have, the, the bigger the surface area you have, the more lift you'll produce. V squared is a very important phenomenon. So that means the faster you travel, the more lift you produce. And CL, that's called your lift coefficient. So 
a lift coefficient is dependent on your airfoil. So what that's saying is for a given airfoil shape and size, how much lift can it produce for a unit size? So something a really high CL doesn't need to travel faster, doesn't need a lot of area to produce a lot of lift, but something with a small CL probably needs a lot of, a lot of wing or a lot of speed to be able to produce the same amount of lift. And that's where we have thousands of airfoils for anything from whether you're a, a, a turbine in the water or in the wind, or you're a small little plane or a fast supersonic jet, all of those different airfoils, that shape changes. And that's what makes every airplane unique is which airfoil do you use? Do you use a fat one that can produce a lot of lift for not at not a lot of speed? Or do you want like a thin one that'll, that'll be able to slice through the air very easily at supersonic speeds? So. A lot of that is, and that's where the creativity of aerospace engineering comes in, is how do you pick all these, there's so many different ways to approach the same problem. And you got to look at a lot of different uh, factors in that. How much runway do you have to take off? How much, what's the flight regime? Are you traveling really slow where you've got something called incompressible flow? That means the air doesn't really compress. Or are you traveling close to the speed of sound where the air is really squishy and you've got compressibility effects, which changes how the airfoil works. Or are you breaking the speed of sound where the way the air behaves is totally different from when it's below the speed of sound. And your airfoil changes completely differently from that. And therefore your wing changes completely different from that. Um, but that's really, if you, in terms of the structure of, of, of anything flying, that's the most important thing, the wing. Now, of course, around that, you can put an engine on it. If you want to not glide, you can put landing gear on it. So you can, or skis, if you want to land in snow or floats to land in water. Uh, you've got, of course, somewhere, hopefully someone can sit. Well, all in my profession, no one sits in the planes anymore. Um, but generally you've got some sort of avionics, the electronics that control everything, the me me mechanics. And the other big thing is the control services, which we can talk about later, which is how do you actually control the plane once it's in the air? How has air transportation evolved or changed over time? Well, uh, it's especially over the past 50 to 60 years, it's changed specifically in terms of safety and in terms of cost. So. Airplanes haven't actually gotten that much faster, per se, in, in recent times. If anything, they've gotten a little bit slower. But where the difference is in the, the cost of air travel has gone down significantly and safety has gone up considerably. A lot of that comes into comes uh, due to the fact that we're using much better, significantly better materials now that we're making planes with much safer, we've, we've got much better quality control. But also electronics are fantastic in planes nowadays. There's a lot of electronics and uh, drivers just like, you know, the, you think about Tesla and the self-driving cars. Planes have had that for a long time. These all these electronic assists that help the pilot deal with different air conditions, or even allow the planes to talk to each other in case there's mid-air collision. It can tell one plane to fly up and one plane, to, the other plane to fly down. So safety is a big thing, and the other thing is cost. So if you notice, planes uh, over the past 50 years have gotten the engines have gotten huge on them, and. It, a big assumption is that they're getting big because they're getting faster, but that's not true. Actually, these bigger, a lot of these planes are now flying slower. The the flight time from New York to LA for over the past 50 years have, has increased by 30 minutes, but that's because we're willing to sacrifice speed for significantly quieter engines and much more fuel efficient engines. And that's how air transportation has significantly evolved is we're, we're seeing planes that are significantly quieter, significantly more fuel efficient than what they're um, like, granddads were back 50 years ago, 60 years ago. So you talked about self-driving planes. So what do you think the future of flight would be like? 
the future of flight uh, is quite the unknown. There's a lot of places it can go. There's a resurgence of supersonic flight. People are looking back into supersonic and hypersonic flights again. Startups like Boom and Hermes are really putting research into that. But I, I think the real advent of flight now is going to be in the unmanned world, where you're going to have, uh, specifically when it comes to urban air delivery, mobile. So you've got Amazon that are trying to, and, and all these different corporations that are trying to deliver via um, deliver packages to whether it's to the end consumer, right to their doorstep or from logistics centers, between logistics centers. That's gonna be a huge way, especially in the medical delivery side. Uh, I think there's gonna be a lot of innovation in the future for, for medical delivery. But the the other way we're really seeing things things change is, uh, yeah, so you've got you've got the unmanned side, and and you've got, but there's going to be a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of political stuff we're going to need to work out because of that. I think more than the technology, it's how do we actually manage the airspace now? You think about a lot the airspace has got you've got regular general aviation people that are flying it. You've got us flying kites and toy planes ourselves in that area. So how do we manage all of that? How what is the electronics that's going to manage all these different planes and birds and things flying around the sky? It's going to be where the future of air travel is going to be. What we're going to have to figure out. Wow, that's amazing. So what advice do you have for kids who want to innovate the world of flying machines? Yeah, I think the, I think the biggest advice is just practice and get, get to know what's out there. I think uh, the, the basics are very important. School is very, very important, especially through college. I realized that we, we even in my, in my work, we are using math all the time, math and physics, and we're doing it all by hand. By We don't use them. A lot of times you don't have time to use a computer and model things. You have to learn how to do things by hand very quickly. So I would say first things first, stay in school, study as hard as you can. That's very, very important. Um, finding a good college is very important as well. I think uh, especially aerospace engineering depends a lot about finding a reputable program. So whether it's Georgia Tech itself, that's got a good program, but you've got uh, universities like University of Washington, which has got close ties to Boeing, Alabama, which has got a lot of close to Huntsville and the space program. So that, I think, in terms of your school and academics, that's something to think about. But also, personally, I recommend taking a lot of time. It's A lot of it is hands-on experience. And getting the hands-on experience means whether it's your school going to robotics and doing that kind of stuff, but also at home doing personal projects. I think picking up an Arduino kit and learning how to uh, code with that and build little things. I think the big thing is if you want to get into planes, it's not just the only hobbies you have to do is plane-related anything that that works with hands with mechatronics and robotics is crucial to um, giving you a leg up in the innovation and it just builds your creativity i think that's the most important thing thank you so much for talking to me you're welcome glad i could glad i could talk about planes now let's recap on what we learned from budgering today we learned that airplanes and helicopters have roughly the same structure but the most important part is, of course, the wing. The wing is shaped like an airfoil, which is about the same shape as your computer mouse or a bar of soap. These airfoils can vary on their thickness and their size. These two factors can play a key role on what is needed to make that airplane or helicopter fly. The lift equation is an equation that, that explains the things that are needed and how airplanes or helicopters fly. We also learn to be an aerospace engineer. We have to persist in our passions, learn math and physics a lot, and most importantly, stay curious.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Spectacular Science. Special thanks to Vajra Comet from Area I and Georgia Tech. If you want to contact this podcast or have any questions, please go to spectacularsci.com slash contact and find a link where you can do just, just that. Also, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. We need your support to grow. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you on the next episode of Spectacular Science. Stay curious!